Hello, Flight Paniacs, and welcome back to Flight Purbly. I am Steve Jaco, joining you again with Eamon Smith. Eamon, how are you today, my man? I'm fucking tired, Steve, but I'm very glad <laughs> to be here. Uh, I always, I always love to come on Flight Purbly. I mean, you know, that's the. It just I, I, not my entire college career. Like most of college, I was pretty tired. But my last semester, my last semester, I just made the incredibly poor decision to take a ton of credits and an internship. Dude, it's junior year. It's not even my last semester. I'm just, it's its literally like not even a month into junior year and I'm on the floor dead. Uh, although some of that might have to do with the fact that I didn't have any time to eat anything besides breakfast today. And then like a moron decided to actually cook tonight for like the first time in a couple weeks here, rather than just making the Amen special and frying a pound of ground beef. Um, and I handmade pasta for the first time, which took me about an hour and 10 minutes and left a giant mess in the kitchen that I have to go clean up after this. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, pasta's always worth it. Pasta was my go-to, like, post-college meal. Like, last me, like, a few days every time. It's fantastic. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, this has a cream sauce, so it's not going to last as long, but it's pretty damn good and... I felt very proud of myself afterwards. So uh, isn't isn't that what's important? Not the fact that I'm going to probably black out the moment that we end this recording. <laughs> <laughs> that's what's important. Yes, that's what matters at the end of the day. And I got to say, I'm, I'm in different shoes myself this week. I, I took a little time off last week. I went on a proper vacation. I don't think I've had a, a real proper five straight day vacation in years. So it was really nice to go and do that to recharge the batteries. And of course I went away and a bunch of flyers news happened and we'll get to that. I mean, I'm actually excited. It's not often in August where we can have a decent amount of flyers things to talk about, but Hey, we got it. I'm excited about that. But before we get into that, I wanted to briefly mention a couple things from vacation. We're going to put some nonsense up front on this one oh, let's because go. yeah let's go let's do it so did a house with two very close friends uh a longtime friend and her husband who yeah he's a friend but i haven't known him as long and then like two of his friends from upstate new york okay so i didn't know these people at all before i got there and the one guy that was there was uh so his name's rocco i just met him and he's a weird dude i was kind of expecting so my buddy Tony is, he's got kind of mostly consistent sports fandom for a New York guy. He considers himself a New York guy, even though he's from upstate New York. So it's like, he's a Yankees fan. He's a Giants fan and he roots for the Flyers. It's really weird. He liked Jeremy Roenick, started rooting for the Flyers, but it's something for me to relate to this guy on. So, okay, whatever. Fair enough. This guy Rocco really confused me. Okay. Oh God. Now he was, he was a fan of the Boston Red Sox, the Boston Bruins, okay, the Boston Celtics. Mm -hmm. And you would think the new England Patriots, right? Uh -huh. The most successful football franchise maybe ever. No, 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 no. 
It was the New Orleans Saints. Uh, cool. Um, why? I I I guess I can't say much because I have like a weird out of state fandom too. But at least I have consistency, kind of maybe. That's fucking strange. <laughs> Right, like, for the most part, I think your only weird one is, like, the Mariners. Yeah, right? that's a weird one. You're, you're a Seattle Mariners fan. Yep. But, like, at least you're not... Like, he, this guy went three for four with Boston, and his one he didn't go with was the most successful franchise of the past. I mean, good for him for not just bandwagon jumping over to the Patriots as soon as they started winning, because that would have been very easy to do, and I... I kind of don't understand why he didn't do it but hey good for him for sticking with the saints during all that and they did win a championship but i was just dumbfounded by this you went three for four on boston and you went to the complete not the complete opposite part of the country but almost the complete opposite part of the country yeah i mean maybe maybe he just uh saw tom brady drop two passes in the Super Bowl and Nick Foles catch a touchdown pass in the Super Bowl and then said, I'm not a Patriots fan. Uh, people <laughs> people forget that happened. People forget that happened. The Eagles won the Super Bowl, everybody. That happened. Eagles won the Super Bowl. Nick Foles caught a touchdown. Tom Brady dropped a pass. That's, that's all facts. It's crazy. It's crazy how we forget. It is crazy how we forget. How, how quickly we forget. I need to hammer that home every opportunity I get. And this upcoming Eagles season, I will need to remind myself about the good times of not that long ago it's fucking crazy how far the eagles have fallen in such a short span of time (laughs) my only eagles jersey is a carson wentz jersey now that's kind of (laughs) tough and like that was one that you probably felt very secure i am going to have this for the next like decade plus it's going to be awesome and how quickly it is just completely outdated. And it's funny because not even people who bought Jalen Hurts jerseys last year can still hold on to them because he changed his number. Yeah, it's... it's Buying a jersey is always like a dubious thing unless it's a player who's been there for a really long time. And then when you do that, a lot of the time it's kind of like coming up on a point where, hey, this player might not be here anymore. Like, uh, yeah, I mean... Kind of different situation, but Giroux's contract is expiring, and like while I don't see him leaving the Flyers, who knows? Maybe he goes somewhere else. So like, if you buy a Giroux jersey in the next year, that would kind of suck. Um, or like a guy that we'll talk about later, same exact thing. Well, we could talk about him now. You have a perfect transition. And oh we can boy. Get to the other vacation topic later. Let's oh, transition the son of a bitch. Uh, yeah. Uh, speaking of guys who we think are going to be staying here forever. And players whose jerseys I have bought, Sean Couturier. Wow. 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 Uh, Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Sean Couturier signed a big old contract, but not quite as big old as I expected him to sign. Yeah, I was over the moon (laughs) when I got this news. When I got this notification on my phone, I was like, holy shit. I was expecting way more than that. I was expecting... I wasn't expecting a contract already, and... It's not the most shocking news because, you know, Coots is getting a decent payday and he does seem like a guy who'd be loyal to the organization over here. But at the same time, I was very much expecting Couturier to get more than $8 million a season. So that contract comes to eight years, $62 million, which is a $7.75 million AAV. So cap hit of 7.75. And I think most people were shocked it wasn't eight plus. I mean, I'm stunned. I thought he was going to get like nine, nine and a half. 
especially with the prices that we're seeing a lot of defensemen get these days. I understand totally different market, but if if you're going to tell me that fucking <laughs> uh like Darnell Nurse is worth nine or nine and a half million a year for a max term contract. Sean Couturier should be able to walk into the Flyers and be like, yeah, pay me nine and a half. And they'll just be like, uh, that's fair, I guess. Uh, but apparently uh, from the press conference afterwards and everything, he basically said he wanted to stay a Flyer. Um, he felt like this was like a fair amount for him to get paid, but then also um didn't want to be kind of crushing the team cap wise so he just kind of got what he thought was worth and he wanted a fair deal for both sides and i I feel like this is more fair for the flyers than him but cool i guess (laughs) yeah i'll take it all day every day i really was just stunned by this total and you figured there was going to be a little bit of an overcompensation too because katoria has been so underpaid in the past few years i mean he's been heads and tails the flyers best player for the past like three four years and he's been making a cap hit between what four and five million uh i think it was four four and a half million sorry there's a very angry fire truck outside my window (laughs) they're you know they just heard about sean couturier and they're just they're raising the alarms to everybody no jesus christ he got paid how much for how long and he scored 76 (laughs) points that's That's crazy that is just felony theft right there it's I don't know. I'm very happy about this. Now, obviously, this is a long contract, and this is an extension, so it doesn't even kick in until next year. It's an eight-year contract. He's going to be 38 at the end of the deal. I think it's 38, if I did my math right. And Math is for suckers, Steve. (laughs) Math is for suckers. Who needs it? Nobody needs it. Math's stupid. And Katoria, I mean, I am confident he's going to age well, but... You know, defensive two-way forwards don't always age well, and you really have to hope that he he's played a lot like Patrice Bergeron to this point in his career. Hopefully he ages like Patrice Bergeron has. I, I think the thing with me that makes me confident that he'll age okay is that, like, he's never been a guy whose physical traits have all been all that outstanding he's he's just a dude who wins because he's smarter than everybody um like you you look at some of the other two-way centers that could kind of be compared to him a little bit who fell off really fast and i i just don't think that he fits the bill quite as much because a lot of those guys it's like well they were scoring a lot because their shot was great or they were scoring a lot because um they were just faster than everybody or whatever he's never been a super elite skater like he's a he's a fairly fast skater but he's not a guy who's gonna blaze past anybody he's not a dude where his shot is crazy either he scores a lot of greasy ones and uh just has great hands and stuff so i i don't know i have a feeling that this is gonna probably age a little bit less like you know keith primo or uh how am I blinking on the other guy's name? Who's like a famous Flyers two-way center? Ah, uh, Poulin, Dave Poulin, and a little bit more like Bergeron, or maybe even I, I feel like the better comp uh, for him is Anji Kopitar. Both of those guys are Hall of Fame players. I don't know that Kateri is going to be a Hall of Famer just because he didn't score that much early in his career, but I have a feeling he'll keep that high-end production up into his mid to late thirties. And then he'll probably tail off a little bit, but still be an effective middle of the lineup guy, just cause he's again, so good at everything. 
Oh, and I'm totally fine with that. And considering it's one of those cat pits that's going to look better in a couple of years too. Not that it looks bad now. I think it looks great now, but I, I think you're going to see the league average as the salary cap goes higher. You're going to see if it ever goes higher, you know, in the NHL, who freaking knows. But as the salary cap presumably goes higher, you will see, you know, cap hits start to creep up more into that range, more that being the median range there. So it, it, the cap hit, I think, is going to look really good in a couple of years, even if he does end up being a little bit more of a middle of the lineup guy. But I mean, right now, this is pretty much the best you can ask for. And it's crazy to think that Sean Couturier has been playing in Philadelphia for a decade at this point. I just can't even wrap my brain around it. I He's my favorite flyer. So, like, period. I mean, I love Claude Giroux, but I, I've i always loved Sean Couturier. And he's everything I like in a hockey player. He's not particularly, again, physically gifted. Like, obviously, he's crazy physically gifted to be in the NHL. But among NHL players, he doesn't have a crazy shot. He's not an insanely fast skater. He doesn't have, like, insane size either. He's just kind of pretty fucking good at everything and smarter than everybody else. And, I mean, that's that's pretty awesome to me. I, I love watching guys who are just clearly thinking the game at least two or three steps ahead of everybody else. So, I, I'm so pleased that Coots is probably going to be a flyer for the rest of his career, barring a trade. And I think the thing that you were talking about uh, that we're kind of leading into here is this makes the Giroux extension kind of interesting and it solves a lot of the future cap issues. Oh, for sure. I think the Giroux extension is going to be a very big deal. And the fact that you can get Coots, Mr. Chestnut Checkers himself, at this cap hit where you can presumably sign Giroux to a decent deal. I mean, I'm, I don't know. I, I'm a little scared that because Claude Giroux has been the Flyers captain for so long and is such a valuable player as far as PR goes. I mean, this is the face of the Flyers for, for all intents. He's a purposes. bad captain, Steve. He doesn't want to win. Captain. He doesn't want to win. You know, WIP caller Sal from South Philly will tell me that all day, but I, real Flyers fans know the, the real deal with that one. But I want to see Claude Giroux get resigned. Okay, I absolutely do. I want to see Claude Giroux win his cup as a Philadelphia Flyer, damn it. I want this. I've seen too many guys get traded away and win it elsewhere. But I really don't want to see Claude Giroux back for more than $6 million a year. And I feel like that... I don't feel like... I feel like the five to six million range is not ideal, but livable. But I'd really love to see something in the four to five range. My ideal contract for G on an extension here is probably something like either three years at six uh, or four years at five. Um, I know four is kind of a lot of term, but I feel like based upon the development we've seen from him as a defensive player in recent years, he's gotten a lot better in that aspect. Uh, It's reasonable to expect him to age pretty well. Um, I mean, he's taken some drops in speed and everything, but his hands are still great. He still wins face-offs. And he's been so much more effective at the wing. Yeah, he's he's good on the wing. He'll age a little bit slower there because he's not going to be playing his physical position. So, I don't know. I, I feel like I could handle four years with him. I just... If you, if you look at guys who 
um, are around that same age group who have gotten those sorts of contracts. The one that comes to mind for me is Joel Pavelski, uh, who with the Stars got paid right in that realm um, on, I think, a three-year deal, maybe a four-year deal, but he's been good for them. Um, He had one down year, and then he's been pretty solid for the next two years after that. I I believe it's a three-year deal. Um, And he's older. He he plays very physically, so you'd think he'd age even worse than Giroux. I don't know. I, I think like six mil for three years, I'd be fine with. That's a, that's an okay bet. I think Giroux is probably worth more than six million for at least two of those years. So fair deal. Yeah, I would agree with that. I, I think that would be a fair deal and that would show respect to your captain. And I, I, I mean, it all comes down to salary cap ultimately. And it's about making stuff work with the salary cap. And it's nice to see one of those deals go the flyers way for once because the penguins have been reaping so many rewards off of those crosby and malkin deals for the past few years it's kind of interesting too i think it was charlie who said this on bsh radio the other day um chuck fletcher does not seem like the type of dude to play hardball with anybody so this is a pleasant surprise because i figured couturier was gonna get again nine and a half million out of him turns out he's going to get 7.75 Good to see Chuck getting under market value for a very good player for once, because I don't know that we're going to really see that on a consistent basis again. No, no, I would certainly think not. I mean, if you look over at Kevin Hayes, for instance, when Kevin Hayes was signed, that cap hit was a big concern from a lot of people, and it's still looking like a pretty big concern right now. I mean, Hayes right now is making... 7.14 to blah 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 7 million cap hit basically and he certainly while very effective his first year in philadelphia is no sean couturier yeah i mean i don't think anybody realistically looks at kevin hayes and says yeah that dude is just as good as sean couturier you'd have to be kind of an yeah. idiot to say that but the fact that they're they're paid an aav within one million of each other is pretty wild yeah i mean I keep saying, yeah, I mean, and it's pissing me off. <laughs> I just had to stop myself from doing it again. Uh, yeah, <laughs> shit. Uh, Those are called verbal crutches. Woo! Um, I, I, I'm just so happy to have Coots locked down for a reasonable price for so long. I, I was really concerned about the Flyers cap situation about two years ago. Um, when we were heading into the Carter Hart's going to need an extension and... Uh, Kateri's extension is looming too. And we have all of these young players where we're coming off of a good year. Um, so everybody was like, Hey, they're, they're all going to get paid a lot. I'm like, ah, shit, the flyers are going to run out of room and they're not going to be able to pay Couturier. And it turns out, uh, Phil Myers and Carter Hart are actually, and Nolan Patrick are actually not going to cost like 50 gajillion dollars. So that's cool, at least. Um, now with Giroux... Got Ryan Ellis. Giroux and Couturier kind of cheapening up a little bit. I mean, Couturier not cheapening up, but a three a three million dollar increase. I'll take that every day of the week. And then Giroux probably dropping down two to three million, or if he really wants to be, like, beloved, uh, he'll take, like, a three million dollar a year deal or something like that. That'd be crazy. Can you imagine that? You hear that, Claude? You hear that, Claude? You want to be truly beloved? Take a hell of a pay cut right there. I mean, if he did that, can you? That's that's five million dollars that the Flyers can use to go get an, another player. Like, I'm not saying he should do that, but that would be pretty cash money of him to do. Uh, but then JVR is coming off the book soon. Claude, do you take that? You take that 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 pay cut right there, 
and I will send people out in droves to buy Claude Giroux jerseys. Anything that puts money into your pocket that compensates for that. All right, we're, we'll find a way to make it right. Uh, Chuck Fletcher just like under the table gives him money. <laughs> Chucky Two Trades, I know you listen to this program. I am fully aware you do. Heed my words. Use the power of hyperbole. I can't even say that with a straight face. Use the power of hyperbole to re-sign Claude in a four to five million dollar range. Uh, Chuck Chuck should just go full bagman here. Just full Ole Miss football, giving you fifty thousand dollars in McDonald's bag. Hey, your mama got a Cadillac. Where'd that come from? Who knows? Kind of deal here. <laughs> Eat this hoagie from the Wawa. Just slips it over. Why would I eat this Wawa? Oh, I see. Oh, hey, take this avocado. It's definitely not full of money. (laughs) Wink, wink. This is the way, Chuck. This is the way, Mr. Two-Trace. Can you imagine? That that would be like, maybe the coolest thing that Chuck Fletcher could do is just like under the table, pay free agents and just be like, oh, whoops, I dropped like a... Uh, $4 million watch. My bad. <laughs> Circumvent that cap Tampa Bay Lightning style. Let's do it. Chuck Fletcher, or not Chuck Fletcher, uh, Paul Holmgren is just like panting heavily in the background as he hears us talk about this. Oh. Paul, the Holmgren sense is tingling right now and he is just breaking down brick walls to, to do these dirty deals. He's just like, oh man. You... <laughs> Paul Holmgren busting. Oh yeah, let's make a deal. <laughs> Kool Aid Man style, just walking through walls. I just love thinking of Paul Holmgren as the Kool Aid Man bursting down walls to just make any crazy deal he can make. I mean, Paul Holmgren has to be just super jealous of this Couturier extension, and is uh, you know, that that's just a good deal, man. I can't get over how good it is. I mean, I, I, we thought the previous Coots deal was great, and it was. Don't get me wrong, but this is. Yeah, this, definitely way better. This is going to be great for like the first four years is my expectation. Now, the last four years, eh, maybe not, but... Yeah, fingers crossed. It, it turns out like Bergeron, but you know. Hopefully. <sighs> we, we got one deal that's better than expected, and we also got a deal last week that was pretty much as expected, and that would be the Travis Sanheim extension. Big baby Travis, except he's not a baby anymore. He's 25. <laughs> he's Kinda still got wild. that baby face, though. Yeah, he's a he's a goddamn beanpole. I I've just given up on the fact that he's ever going to become like a beefcake, like a <laughs> hunky hunky samaran over there. He's never he's never going to be uh, a himbo, like number five. He's he's just going to be stuck as a beanpole who gets pushed around too much and is bad at defense. Uh, <laughs> at least that's what the uh, the people who give nerds noogies tell me. Oh man, those. Those people that are just going to be... Everybody saying that is looking over at his partner, his presumed partner in Rasmus Ristolainen and going, see, he's going to make... He's going to make Sandheim better. Oh, my God. In a way. In a way. <laughs> That's not happening. <laughs> Listen, the, I still... I know I said I was going to meditate on this last week, and I just can't make a decision on the Ristolainen heads or whatever I'm calling the Ristolainen fans. Cause they are, they're a fierce group right there. And I can't, I don't want to make them angry, but they are already angry and they, they hate all the nerds. They're just going on a wedgie a thon right now, finding any nerd they can find ripping glasses off of faces, stomping them on the ground. They hate the nerds. It's the Risto rampage. 
That's their name. Okay, I almost did a spit take. That was nice. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean... Damn it, I did it again. Uh, fucking... If, if Sandheim is getting this money, that's like my only negative takeaway here is maybe Chuck Fletcher doesn't think Sandheim is as good as Risto, which I really hope that's not the case. But uh, there are certain people who do think that, so maybe maybe he's fooled. Risto is due for an extension, so he might get a lot of money, and that might not be too good. I hope not. The thing about Sandheim for me is that he's just not a particularly flashy defenseman in any way, and it's harder to provide concrete numbers, especially when you're an RFA, to really go anywhere over what this number is. I mean, this number, for for most hockey fans, for most Flyers fans, they saw this deal and they said, that checks out. I personally think it's a little expensive, but I'm also spoiled by like the Matias Ekholm contract, so... I really, I really shouldn't be complaining about it. I think that's probably fair for an okay second pairing defenseman, which is what he is. He's fine. Um, he's just baby Dougie Hamilton. Like he, he has a lot of the same issues. Uh, there will be uh, like light Dougie Hamilton is a better way to put it. Where the problems are worse, the positives are not as good, but he's still a good player on the whole. But I don't know. I wouldn't. I would disagree with the idea that Sandheim is not flashy because he's not flashy in the good ways, but he's very flashy in the bad ways. Um, and that's why people think that he's crazy overpaid at four point six seven five uh, per year for two years. Like most people probably look at that and they're like, "Ah, oh, that's like maybe a slight overpay at worst." But then there's some people who don't think he's an NHL player or like think that he's a seventh defenseman or something like that. Sam Moran better. These are literally all of the same people who used to say that Braden Coburn and Matt Carl were the devil. He's the new Matt Carl. For sure, he's the new Matt Carl. Like, does does this not describe Matt Carl to a T? Made really good offensive plays that people just kind of didn't appreciate because he fucked up so bad on defense every once in a while. Like, not super frequently, but it would be like once every like five or eight games or something like that. He'd have a really bad fuck up and you'd just be like, oh, Matt Carl, you're the worst. <laughs> just like a blown tire every like fifth game. Yeah. yeah, or like he'd he'd like completely whiff a check and let a guy blow past him or he'd make a stupid pass at the blue line on uh, the power play and just get picked by somebody. He, he would do that kind of thing. But Matt Carl was a pretty good defenseman for a little bit. And pe- yep. some people just hated him because, again... Uh, that's like the whole thing that analytics try to achieve is the bad things, the really glaring things tend to stick in your head a lot more than the little things. So when a defenseman like Sandheim is doing little things in transition, right, and he's having good offensive positioning and good in puck support and like not always horrendous on defense, he's not great, but he's not horrendous. Uh, people don't really remember that when he falls spontaneously like three times in 15 games or something like that. And every single fall leads to a goal. (laughs) I mean, for me, there's so many flyers that are already screwing up on defense and falling down. It's like, it doesn't really stand out for me more than any other player on that defense. So I I, I don't really know why they want to pick on Sanheim, but I I mean, I kind of get it, but also shut up. He's fine. Yeah. Shut up. Kami. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Oh, we're, we're commie bashing now. Hey, is this the 1950s? I mean, that's the best way to make these people mad because they're probably also the same people who 
still believe in that like now and are just like oh like i mean not saying that communism is good that's a matter of opinion i I personally do not believe that it's a good thing but let's just get into a philosophical debate yeah is communism good welcome to politiperbically uh nobody wants that show that is like of all the spinoffs that's the one wanted the least i would say yeah that is i I mean is tony d'angelo coming on is tony d oh christ it's about to get unfiltered (laughs) tony d'angelo heard commie and he's like oh oh that's my favorite word all right and he's gonna he's gonna bust down like the kool-aid man when he he hears about i don't know just communism he just can't he can't stand the communism. No socialism for Tony D. He's America. Oh, God. I just want to throw up in my mouth. Let's talk about Derek Broussard. <laughs> nice, Flyers nice transition. Sign. <laughs> Philadelphia Hockey Flyers signed Derek Broussard. One-year contract, $825,000. Derek Broussard's 33 years old and has played for... 33 NHL teams. Well, the thing is, he's played for practically the entire Metro division. You got the Blue Jackets. You got the Rangers. You got the Penguins. You got the Islanders. And now you're Philadelphia Hockey Flyers. He seems like the most Devils player ever, so that's kind of disappointing that he hasn't played (laughs) for the Devils yet, to be honest. Like, had one year where he scored 60 points, has been mostly a 40-point player the rest of his career. Perfectly fine. Pretty good defensively. That sounds like a devil to me. Screams devils to me. And the the thing about Broussard is he is a guy that I think Flyers fans were asking for them to trade for him like two, three years back because he really seemed to fit well into, you know, their bottom six needs and they did not trade for him. And he's bounced around and now he's here. And I, this is fine. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm perfectly fine with this move. I really like it actually. Um, I don't think that Broussard, or D-Bass, as I will henceforth call him, I, don't ask me why. It sounds like Seabass. Leave me alone. Kick his ass, Seabass! <laughs> I I like him as a depth signing a lot. I think he's better than Nate Thompson, which isn't saying much, but here we are. Yeah. Um, I think he's a nice insurance option for Morgan Frost. It's, it's kind of like the Keith Yandel signing, where this is low risk. He's a perfectly fine NHL player. He played pretty well last year for the Islanders, actually. Um, I think he scored 10 goals, had like 20 points in 40-something or 50-something games. So that's not that's not bad for like a third-line center, honestly. It's not great, but yeah. not bad. And I think this is kind of what the Flyers did with Cam York, too, where they, they were like, uh, if York's not ready, we need to have a backup option. We can't just afford to rely on the kids like we did this past year and hope they work out. And if they don't work out, then we're fucked, right? So... They signed Yandel for really cheap, and you know at the very least he'll be like an NHL player and an effective third-pair defenseman, or at the very least, I really hope he will be, knock on wood. And this is kind of the same. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I like that signing, though. It, it's And it's funny because with the Yandel signing at first, I was like, well, that really blo- blocks Cam York, and I'm a little bummed about that. And I'm, I'm still very, very slightly bummed about that, but you know what? Cam York will be a regular for this team in like a year, so I can't be at, at most, and like... I, so here's here's kind of the thing is let's say uh Morgan Frost is killing it in the AHL right out the gate, right? And he has like a two or three week stretch where he's well over a point per game. Um, which I could see happening. I mean, he's coming back from injury, so it's it's hard to levy those kinds of expectations on him. But who knows, maybe he comes out and blows the fucking doors off. 
then the Flyers can just throw Nate Thompson as the extra forward or Derek Broussard as the extra forward and then play Morgan Frost as the 3C while one of the two, whoever uh, AV likes better, probably Derek Broussard, um, plays 4C. So, I mean, they have that they have that option. They can always just uh, trade one of these guys. Uh, kind of the same thing with York where it's like, okay, let's say that Yandel's not working out or York is playing crazy well. You can probably move one for the other um, with some sort of transaction. And then, like, you could also just ship Justin Braun out or something like that. So the Flyers have a lot of flexibility here, and they have some nice insurance too. And kind of the nice thing too is, like, I have a feeling that AV is going to be more prone to playing Derek Broussard instead of Nate Thompson, just because Broussard played in New York with him so long. And Derek Broussard is better than Nate Thompson. So if we're going to have like a kind of shitty to mediocre forward in the lineup all the time, I would rather be uh, it be a slightly less shitty mediocre forward and then just have Nate Thompson be a nice guy. I'd much rather have him in the mediocre scale than the shitty scale. Thank you. You're, you're asking a lot here. I know, I'm asking a lot. And look, Nate Thompson, nice guy, good beard. That's pretty much it. I So the the interesting question then is, A.V. more likely to go with Broussard and Thompson as your three and four C's respectively and move Scott Lawton to the wing or something? Because frankly, I do like Scott Lawton better at the wing than at center, but at the same time, I don't want both Broussard and Thompson in the lineup every night. Could also move Giroux back to center. Um, he seemed to be doing pretty well with that last year. Now, I, I don't think that's a good long-term solution, but if you're like, hey, we know Morgan Frost is coming up at some point. We're going to wait for him to get his legs under him. In the meantime, Giroux, for like the first 15, 20 games of the season, can you play center for us? If that, um, I could see them going with that as a plan too. I could see them sticking with Lawton as the 3C and keeping Giroux on the wing, who's probably my preference. Just make Claude Giroux your 3C and JVR at the wing and just go ham against the lesser competition down there. Yeah, I mean, it's so weird because the Flyers, again, on paper, talent-wise, should be a deep team this year. But we said that last year, and then they weren't at all. So I, I think the thing that makes me kind of excited for this year is if Travis Konechny can bounce back to be like a high-end second liner on a consistent basis, and if Joel Farabee is a first-line forward, even strength production-wise, which is what he was last year, and they're there with Kateri on that top line. Um, I mean, you have Cam Atkinson now with Kevin Hayes. That's that's nice. You can put Giroux on the second line as the winger, or you could bump Scott Lawton up to that line and then have Giroux be the 3C and put him with JVR and just beat the crap out of whoever's third line you're facing because Giroux and JVR had some pretty great chemistry last year for a good span. So the the Flyers have some flexibility here. I like this signing a lot. Um, I don't want to see Derek Broussard as a lineup regular if Tanner Lazinski is doing well. Um, I can understand, again, why if I'm Chuck Fletcher, I'm not putting all my eggs in the Tanner Lazinski basket. He looked good. He's coming off of a serious injury. Um and while well, I think he is the model of what an NHL fourth line player should be, it's it's just good to have an insurance option here. 
Yeah, I agree with that. And it's definitely good to have an insurance option. I, I just, I worry about how much AV is going to see these guys as insurance options and more as just weapons for him to, to use in the everyday lineup. Again, though, like, the the thing that's kind of different here is, um, so with, like, Justin Braun, who I don't, I don't think is a bad player in the right role, per se, but when he was coming in, everybody was like, Justin Braun sucks ass, right? The Flyers just didn't have that many options at D to really supplant him as a second-pair dude or a third-pair guy, um, particularly not right-handed defensemen. And also he had a like reasonably long contract term. So there, there were kind of factors there where you're like, okay, like Chuck Fletcher made this move and now if he sucks, he can't really move him or anything like that. But like Derek Broussard, if he's like just playing okay and the Flyers really like what they have in Morgan Frost and Morgan Frost comes up and he's killing it, then you can trade Derek Broussard to another team easily. That's kind of the difference here is that like, if AV makes it a problem and Chuck Fletcher really wants to see Morgan Frost and Tanner Lazinski in the lineup consistently because he likes what they're doing, he can force the issue. Um, he can communicate with AV and be like, hey, I really think these guys should be in there. But if, if AV is just being a stubborn ass, then the GM can force the issue here and then hope the results bear out. So, I don't know. He, he adds kind of a wrinkle into the Flyers' forward depth, uh, but I, I think... He's not a bad addition at all, particularly at the price of $825,000 over one year. Really not that bad at all. Yeah, certainly not breaking the bank. And on that note, we were talking about, you know, not blocking the way for the kids. And guess what? It's the kids' time to shine. It's development camp time. That it is. It is one of my favorite times of the year. I get to see the people that I've been watching through AHL TV or WHL TV or on hockey.com because i can't afford other tv subscriptions uh <laughs> <laughs> like all of these european dudes uh that i've been watching through illegal streams so uh don't don't hunt me down cops i i've done nothing wrong you can't prove it you can't prove cops it don't listen to this show it's a known fact there are no cops that are allowed to legally listen to flat purple it's actually um in their bylaws i'm gonna quickly run down the list of players and forgive me if i mispronounce anything but also sorry not sorry Forwards, Wade Allison, Elliot Desnoyers, which I am constantly annoyed is not Desnoyers or Destroyers, Elliot the Destroyer, Tyson Forrester, Morgan Frost, Tanner Lazinski, Sam Mala, Isaac Ratcliffe, Zade Wisdom, J.R. John Randall, Avon, what a name, John Randall, Ethan Burrows, Jackson Cates, Owen McLaughlin, Connor McLennan, Connor McLennan, Nolan Ritchie, not Nick Ritchie. Linus, Linus Sandine, that's it. Matthew Strom still cannot skate. Maximum Sushko, Maxim Sushko. Defenseman, Cam York, Igor Zamula, Zamula not Mike Mamula. Wyatt Wiley, Linus Hogberg, the Hog. Mason Millman, the Millman, always rings twice. The dead Millman. Ethan Sampson, Quinn, Shyman, let's just go with that. Jackson, Vandalist, he's got a plan! Brian Zanetti, Cooper Zek, Samuel Erson, the son of Oz, Carol Ustamenko, little Usti Vert. What a list. Who are you excited about? All right, let's go down here and let's keep it brief because these are a lot of people. So, Wade Allison, 
proved last year that in short spurts he can be a good NHL forward. I'm very excited for him this year. I really loved him at Western Michigan. Um, was very sad when he tore his ACL a while back. It is good to see that he has come all the way back. I think he can be a good uh, middle six forward in the NHL, if not like a borderline second line guy. Um, and he's going to be a key part of the Flyers this year. Elliot Desnoyers really liked him this year. I didn't get to see a ton of him, but what I did see of him was pretty good. Uh, took a big step forward scoring wise. Um, and I don't know, there's not a ton about him that really stands out to me as like elite or anything, but maybe he develops into a good bottom six NHL prospect. Um, I can see that happening. He's pretty defensively responsible. Uh, but yeah, Tyson Forster, really impressive this past year. I was a Tyson Forster doubter. He has a really heavy shot. He's a smart player. I think uh, he he kind of profiled as a guy that I think is a while away from the NHL just because his skating needs a lot of work still, but has no idea how to use those blades. He he's a matchroom except not uh I mean matchroom literally can't but with skate. Talent. <laughs> he's just wearing sneakers. Uh but anyways, Tyson Forster um apparently doesn't need to skate because he scored pretty well in the AHL as an underage player last year. Uh really started to come on towards the end and has looked great in development camp so far. I haven't seen development camp obviously in person, but the clips that I have seen and the accounts from people that I've heard have said that he's been a very impressive player. Morgan Frost, we all know Morgan Frost, scores a lot. Uh, probably should have been an NHL regular last year, but got hit by the injury bug uh, with a really serious shoulder injury, I believe his shoulder, and is coming back this year after missing basically a whole season. Uh, I'm sure he'll be fine in the minor leagues. It's just kind of a question now of, is he a consistent NHL player? And if he is, is he a middle six guy? Or is he a top six guy? The kind of upside that we've seen from him uh, when he was playing uh, with the Greyhounds down in Sioux. Uh, Tanner Lazinski, Ohio State product. Really like him too. Probably the ideal 4C for the Flyers, in my opinion. And he also got really hurt last year. Right after he started to come on, he played great in Lehigh Valley. Uh, he was arguably their best player while he was healthy, even though he wasn't scoring like a best player. Um, expecting big things out of him, I would not be shocked if he is in the lineup consistently about 20 to 30 games into the year, barring injuries and stuff like that. Samu Tuamala, second round pick this year. Um, I thought he was a first round talent. I didn't get to watch more than like five or six games of him. But he's a guy where I, I think Flyers fans will really like what he brings. He's sort of Wade Allison, he, he, except a better skater. Um, he's pretty fast. He plays with a good bit of power. He's a physical uh, guy. He likes to go to the front of the net. His shot is pretty good. Um, he's definitely more of a volume shooter than he is a sniper. So that's a little different than Allison. But he still has that same idea of he has a little bit of uh, physicality and uh I guess, power tool to him, but then also he's a good skater and he has a good shot. Isaac Ratcliffe, baby deer has not <laughs> been, has not been impressive in his pro career so far. He was really good in juniors has not been great. Um, in Lehigh Valley, he's had periods where he's looked like he was starting to figure it out, but we'll see this year. Zade wisdom was good as hell last year. Started off crazy hot. Um, cooled down towards the end of the year, but I still think he's a guy where he can be a very productive bottom six to middle six forward in the NHL if it all pans out. He has at least one elite trait, in my opinion, which is his balance. Uh, and he is suffering through a major injury right now. He's probably participating in off-ice portions of the camp, but 
he uh, cannot be participating in the on-ice stuff. After a major so- uh, shoulder surgery here, similar to what Morgan Frost went through. John Randall Avon, don't know shit about him. I have not yeah, I was watched... Gonna say, the rest of this list is like... I've got really a couple guys on here that I know just because I watch a lot of the WHL and I've seen a decent amount of college hockey. But like, I don't know anything about J.R. Avon. He's an OHL guy. I've not watched a ton of the OHL um, recently, except for like a couple of the top prospects. Ethan Burroughs... He he's a workout guy. I don't think he was picked in the draft this year. I don't know like anything about him, so I'm not going to say anything about him. Jackson Cates, we saw him briefly last year. He's Noah Cates' brother. He's fine, I guess. He was okay at Minnesota Duluth. Like he was a good college player, but I just don't see him being anything other than a extra forward. Oh McLaughlin. Enjoy those fire-shaped pretzels, Jackson Cates. That's all I have to say. Actually, I have one comment on Jackson Cates. Oh baby, and all the sports writers will appreciate this. His name reminds me of the Bruce Springsteen song, Jackson Cage. That's it. Thank you, Steve. <laughs> yeah, and like, I want to I wanna make something clear before I keep going here. When I say this kind of stuff, by no means do I think I'm an expert on anything ever. Like, even myself. But that's how I've been describing you to people. I say, this is my expert. I'm not an expert. Don't do that to me. Hockey expert, Eamon Smith. I just kind of watch these dudes and I get impressions of them based upon all the other hockey I've watched. And then I have opinions on them and whether or not they're really super well-founded, questionable. Let me down, Ramon. But Come I on. probably watch more prospects than most people do. So, and, and like, this is not me like capping their potential or taking digs at them. These are all incredible hockey players and athletes. All right, moving on. Oh, McLaughlin. Don't know shit about him. Uh, he played for the Valley Forge Minutemen, which is a sick name. Uh, and that's it. That's all I know. Connor McLennan, kind of my baby player. Uh, I really love him, actually. I was ecstatic when the Flyers picked him in the sixth round. WHL guy. I love the WHL. Maybe not the best league to get forwards from, but, uh, kind of the thing to know here is he's an undersized guy and he played in the WHL, which is the most physical Canadian junior league. And he succeeded pretty well there, um, in limited minutes, on the Winnipeg Ice, who have not been that good of a team. Um, they've been better lately, but I don't know that anybody would call the Ice like a truly elite WHL team. They have some good players there. But he's been he's been playing with Peyton Krebs, and he doesn't look like he's completely behind Peyton Krebs. Peyton Krebs, first-round pick of the Vegas Golden Knights. Good uh, Mr. Very Krebs. Good, very good NHL prospect. Runs 33 points. Joint under the sea. Steve, come on now. Come on. Uh, Mr. Krabs, I'm sorry. It's right there. <laughs> he, he had I'm too old for points. SpongeBob even. What, what am I doing making this reference? What, what is this? I'm trying to be productive here, Steve. I'm trying to move fast. Uh, 33 You points. don't have to talk. Who cares about Nolan Ritchie? Come on. He's not Nick Connor McClendon is cool and good, and people should know this. It's uh, a good name. It sounds like he's in Highlander. He, he Highlander, funny, funny movie. He scored 33 points in 24 games last season. He looked really good to me. He He's a guy where he's going to need to work on his 200-foot game. He's real small, but he's got a good shot. He's got great hands. His skating is pretty decent. For It's not outstanding, but it's, it's good enough. He could develop it a little further, probably as he gains some more strength and power. But yeah, I think if you're going to spend a six-round pick on a dude, Connor McLennan is the archetype. He's skilled. He's got a nice shot. There's, there's something to build upon there. Nolan Ritchie saw him for the Wheat Kings in the WHL. He was pretty good. 
he he came back from a broken leg. He's a high energy guy. He's also really tiny. And yeah, that's really all I have to say about him. I don't know if he'll ever be an NHL player, but he's fun. Linus Sandin was not great in the Phantoms. I mean, there's there's not like a ton positive that I could say about his last year. He started to heat up towards the end of the season, but didn't really impress me at all. Still a guy who could maybe be a fourth line forward uh, if he pans out, but questionable. Matthew Strom, where's sneakers? Next question. Yeah, like, Maxime, learn to skate. Come on, learn Maxime to skate. Maxime I mean, he he's got to be back to Strom briefly. The most fucking infuriating player because he clearly has every other tool to be a like mid mid lineup NHL guy. In my opinion, he's got the sense. He's got the scoring touch. He's huge. He's got the touch. And he's for some reason, power. this hockey family that has multiple first round picks in their lineage here just can't skate i don't know what the deal is but they're all broken and bad and matchroom literally might as well not have legs <laughs> maxim shushko i didn't get to see all that much of him with the phantoms he didn't score any with them he's he's another dude where he's he flashes some nice skill from time to time but i kind of question whether or not it's ever going to actually translate to the nhl but he he's sort of a wait and see dude i can't form an opinion on him right now defense cam york love cam york um not as high as on him as a lot of people are but i think cam york will be a very good second pair defenseman in the nhl probably within the next three years here and would not be surprised if he's an NHL regular by the end of the year. I liked what I saw from him in his brief time in the NHL. Igor Zamula also think that he'll probably be a good third pair defenseman in the NHL, maybe a second pair guy. Questionable if he'll ever turn into that, but a lot of nice physical tools. He he excites me in a couple of different ways. Wasn't great with the Phantoms last year. That could change. Uh, Wyatt Wiley liked him a lot when he was playing with the Everett Silver Tips in the WHL. I I don't think I'm particularly impressed by any aspect of his game, but he could be a nice depth piece for the Flyers. Uh, just kind of a solid dude. Linus Hoberg was trash with the Phantoms last year, but that's okay because I love him anyways. And the Hogue. again, he's another dude where it's like, this is a guy who could be a nice seventh pair defender. Mason Millman. I actually really liked Mason Millman's season last year. I thought he was quite impressive. I haven't seen a ton of him. But what I have seen, I've liked, and I, I'm excited to see what he turns into this next season. He put up solid numbers, from what I recall, from uh, Maddie's stat tracking. Ethan Sampson, I don't know really that much about him. I like barely even watched any of him, and he was on uh, the Prince George Cougars in the WHL. So that kind of tells you all you need to know about him. Quinn Scheiman. I don't really remember exactly how to pronounce his name, but I watched a lot of the Blazers last year. He never really stood out to me all that much, but that was probably because I was mostly focused on like two specific players on that team um, and just kind of seeing what they did well and what they didn't do well. But who knows? Just maybe he's good. Dr. Quinn. He's Dr. big. Quinn. Done. He's big and he apparently is a good two-way player. So that's that's cool jackson van de least does the least uh nah i'm, I'm just kidding that that was that he's was got a, a good plan Eamon. he he does have a plan we're going to tahiti he's big he's big as hell he is a proper uh samaran six foot seven 238 guy um 
So that's that's cool. Uh, maybe he's good. Maybe he's the next of those big boy UDFA signings. He's a camp invitee, uh, 20 years old. Brian Zanetti, cool name. Um, <laughs> I don't know shit about him. I have caught glimpses of him playing for Team Switzerland for U18 and U20 on like on hockey streams occasionally, but like that's it. And then Cooper Zek, I don't know anything about Cooper Zek. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be real with you. That's a cool name. Uh, Samuel Erson. I'm very high on Samuel Erson. I think that Samuel Erson will be an NHL starting goaltender. He's been very oh, wow. good in the SHL um, and just kind of at every level, despite the teams in front of him being terrible. Um, and I think in camp, in de- uh, development camp, they did the scrimmages or three on three or something like that. And Urson dragged his team to the final and then just ran out of gas. So that kind of tells you what kind of guy he is. He's a very technically refined goalie. I'm not a, like I'm not an expert on anything, but particularly not an expert on goalies. But I think Samuel Urson looks like a good goaltender, and people who know more than me think he looks like a good goaltender, and I trust their words. And then lastly, the best nickname in the Flyers prospect pool, Lil Uzi Vert, cost the entire last season on a hip injury there, but uh, he's he's another one of those dudes where it's like he's a complete enigma to me because. Most of the stuff that I have seen of him is in the VHL, which for those who don't know, is basically a lower tier version of the KHL. Um, You have the VHL, the MHL, and then the KHL. Not in order there, but besides the point, it's really difficult to tell with these Russian goalies how much of their numbers are products of the system and the scoring environment they play in versus how much of it is they're actually good as hell. But he has a cool ass name, and he's put up good numbers for the most part while he's been healthy. So I'll be interested to see how he plays this year. Whew! Good rundown. Good rundown. I'm impressed. That was uh, an impressive, very quick rundown of all 56 prospects listed there, or at least what felt like 56 plus. Uh, good luck to all the prospects. Show us what you got. And hopefully we will be seeing uh, quite a few of them in training camp coming up. It's going to be a very interesting training camp with a lot of the the position battles that we've seen for, for roster spots right now. Wake up, people. Wake up, listeners. We're done with the prospect section now. You can wake up. <laughs> now you can wake up because it's time to... Let's talk, talk about, about jelly beans. <laughs> I re- we, you know, I was going to jump into the, the other flyer stuff real quick. And then do the the jelly beans. Well, I was gonna start with the 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 weirdest celebrity Flyers fan that's come up recently. Oh, uh, okay, we're doing this, and that would be Jason Momoa. Aquaman himself was revealed as a Flyers fan, and I mean, hey, cool! Uh, it joins such luminaries as David Boreanaz from Angel, and that is it, uh, the Navy Seals show. I don't know, and. The first lady, Dr. Joe Biden. So, uh, welcome to the club, Jason Momoa. You've presumably been suffering with us for years, but uh, he, he said he grew up playing hockey and loves the Flyers. So, uh, clearly, Jason Momoa, as a fan of the Philadelphia Hockey Flyers, listens to this program like I assume everybody does. Of course. So, Jason Momoa, come on, fly properly whenever you want. We can talk about the Snyder Cut. I'm not a big Snyder guy, but I'll talk about it. I'll talk about, uh, you know, I'm a Marvel guy. I'm a Marvel zombie from way back. But Can we can the... we talk about that for a second here? I want to talk about that for a second. An Aquaman scene in particular is very funny. Oh, yes. Yes. Let's talk about it. Okay. 
Do you remember the scene where Aquaman is coming out of the ocean and he takes or he's going into the ocean, sorry. And all the girls are on the beach and they're like singing the fucking Swedish or Norwegian like hymns or whatever. And he takes the sweater off in like full Zack Snyder slow-mo, like very sexual shot uh where it's just like let's zoom in on his washboard abs and just like make everybody in the theater either feel inadequate or very aroused uh and then and then to reflect this this is this is something like you know sometimes you watch a movie and you're like you know be fucking hilarious and then the movie does it and you're just like oh "Oh my god they just did it yes i know exactly (laughs) what you mean you're like they're not they couldn't actually oh they did it so, so when he takes the sweater off, he throws it to the girls, and then, and then one of the girls just takes it and like takes like a deep sniff of it as he's walking into the ocean, and then looks at the screen, and just looks like she's like falling to pieces on the spot, and I was dying with laughter. I was like, oh my god this is like out of like a very poorly shot soap opera (laughs) this is insane that this made it into a movie with this big a budget and i was i was i was not in a theater obviously i just said i was in a theater but i wasn't i was like watching this on my laptop at three in the morning but i i was cackling it was so funny anyways the ideal way to watch it on a a smaller screen with the the four three aspect ratio to preserve the uh vision the, the vision of the one sex The vision of Jason Momoa. The vision of... Look, that man will make anybody feel inadequate. Because that is just, like, the most ripped human being alive. I mean, it's Jesus Christ, ridiculous. yeah. Holy, like, hot damn. That that dude... That dude is goals right there. Yeah. So, I, I'm glad to have him aboard the Flyers train. And he's welcome on this program at any time. Jason Momoa's people get in contact with me. All I want out of this whole thing is I want a Cal Drogo style pump up video for the Flyers. Like that intensity of Game of Thrones season one, Cal Drogo, give us a pump up video that we can see in the stadium. I want this so bad. That that sounds good to me. Honestly, just him like gutturally screaming. Oh yeah. Oh, that, that like people are going to be ripping their seats out and throwing it on the ice, like, which is exactly what we need. We need more people throwing shit on the ice, booing as loudly as possible. And this makes a nice segue oh my God. into the next topic. That Look I'm at that segue. That's, you wow. know, that's me. That's what I learned wow. in Temple University is the segue game. Oh, wow. wow. Let's talk about booing. Booing is one of the biggest topics of the week. And I, I'm like, what? Why is this even being discussed? It's being discussed because of the New York Mets, which I what? guess isn't that big of a surprise. Ugh, feels physically ill Gross. even saying the name. But, like, so the Mets have been having a time of it over the past couple months, which stopped oh, me if so you've sad. heard this one before. So sad. The, <laughs> late in the season, the Mets have a total collapse. And, look, I'm not one to talk. I root for the Philadelphia Phillies. But hey, they're only, dunk. like, two games out, right? Yeah, yeah, two or three. I can always dunk, though, on the Mets for collapsing late in the season because of 07 and 08 when they blew numerous games to the Phillies in August and September. Oh, some of my most cherished baseball memories. Pat the bat, but, baby. Pat the Bat, oh, Chase so Utley. Good. Pat the Bat, Chase Utley. I, the guy I mentioned earlier, absolutely 
hated Chase Utley, by the way. He's like, he wasn't even a Mets fan. He's just like, you know who's the biggest scumbag ever? Chase Utley. And I'm like, yeah. Hey, you know what, you pal? Jealous? You know what, pal? Shut up. Get, give him a nice thumbs down. Well, that, that's what spurred all of this. Uh, Javier Baez gave the fam, fans a thumbs down. And he could have gotten out of this situation by just saying like, oh no, that's our new celebration is the thumbs down because everybody counted us out. He, he, took, he fired his shots across the fans' bow. And if there's one fan base that is known for being... I don't know, just progress like forever unhappy and as nearly as surly as Phillies fans, it's Mets fans. They are a pissed off group of people and for good reason. And this is just not going to end well. And like ownerships had to back up and everything. And it's just kind of spiraled into a whole discussion about booing and everything. It's a big question for the Sixers and Ben Simmons right now, because you know, Ben Simmons, I think his feelings were a little hurt by all the booing when he couldn't make any shots at all in the playoffs. <sighs> God damn Ben Simmons. But the thing is, what do you want us, the fans, to do when the team is just laying hot turds out there? Are we supposed to just sit there quietly and just observe and go, oh, I don't particularly like that? Yeah, boo! That's just what you do. You pay hundreds of dollars for tickets sometimes, especially in the playoffs. And you're going to be pissed off. If your team just shits the bed. It's what you do. You're going to boo. I mean, this has always been my firm opinion. Like I'm not somebody who does great with negative feedback, but at the same time, like if it's my boss and he's just like, yeah, you didn't do a good job today. You need to be better tomorrow. You know what I'm going to fucking do? I'm going to take it like a, like an adult and try to be better tomorrow and not, sit and like piss and moan about it so i mean i'm not saying that like javi Baez is wrong because fuck mets fans and like do anything to make them angry fantastic keep doing that uh more power to you buddy but like with ben simmons and like i i forget what the comment was but it was like the flyers were like yeah like i don't think like the booze particularly helped us or anything i don't think they were like the reason that we were bad but they weren't helpful can't remember who said that but like I don't know, man. Like, the team has been bad for a long time, and the team continues to be bad, even when there are expectations. I believe this was the year that the Flyers signed JVR and were ass. Um, but, yeah, like, that's that's kind of where I stand on booing. It's just, sometimes it's deserved, and you just gotta be a pro and be like, man, that really sucks. I'm gonna shake it off. Cause I know I'm good at what I do and I'm going to come back tomorrow and I'm going to win. Like if you're, if you're, if you're affected that much by booing, um, like actually affected that much, if your performance is impacted by booing and rough fans, then you probably shouldn't be a professional athlete in the first place. Cause it seems like you're pretty fragile. Right. And I, just my thoughts I'm coming from a sports fan <laughs> who also LeBron plays the here. sport. LeBron talking regardless of the here. sport I play. I said you were an expert, and that's what LeBron is. I I really just, I, I find it a silly conversation. And look, I am the first to admit that Philly sports fans and sports fans in general generally go overboard with booing and how quickly they will just tear apart some of their best players. Like, it just, it goes from zero to 60, like nothing. Insane mode right there. And I, I don't get it a lot of the time, and I think people definitely go overboard, but, like, it's gonna happen. You can't 
people are never gonna not boo. They're not gonna sit there quietly if they're not cheering. Like I, I don't know what you expect people to do when you are just bad, when you're playing poorly, and when bad plays happen. That's just what's going to happen. That's sports. Carson Wentz should fucking listen to this podcast, dude. Because that was the most disappointing thing for me, is I loved Carson Wentz. And I I don't hate him now, but like, I don't know. I don't particularly like him anymore as a player. Uh, partly because well, I mean, he's... He should listen to this podcast and he should listen to some, some scientists while he's at it. Uh, we're not even going to talk about that, but... I mean, that's an additionally annoying, shitty thing about him. But uh, I'm more so just talking about, like, uh, he was cupcake soft. He was 10-ply when he was here. So, I mean, if, if your, your uh, I guess, consistency should not be such that I could be comfortable wiping my ass with you, is kind of my opinion. And Carson Wentz, 10-ply soft, so... <laughs> maybe maybe uh some some uh Philly athletes need to need to take these words of advice from me here. I don't know. Ben Simmons, if you listen, stop being so soft. Learn to shoot a jumper. You have the talent. <laughs> you you're playing basketball, my man. That's like what You're good as hell at basketball. Dance. You're only like, not good at one thing. Please it's crazy. learn to do He's... the one thing outstanding at everything else and he can't do one of the key. It's like Matt Strom not knowing how to skate. But he's he's like it's not even that, because, like, Matt Strom, you look at him and you're like, all right, like, he's, like, pretty good at, like, a couple other things. This is, like, this is, like, if... And uh, Simmons didn't know how to run. <laughs> like, like this this would be, um, if you had Claude Giroux, right, or, like, Sidney Crosby, but Sidney Crosby had, like, Jake, Voris, Jake Voracek syndrome where he just straight up did not know how to shoot. Like, refused to shoot. Shoot. Would, would just pass the ball constantly. Because that's what we're talking about here. He just, he's a brilliant passer. He's an incredible playmaker. He runs the floor great. But then because he can't shoot or refuses to shoot more so, he doesn't create much of his own scoring unless it's in the paint. Um, and then also teams can kind of figure out how to defend him because of that. Anyways, that's enough about Ben Simmons. I'm that's not a good analogy right there. That's a I good analogy. I don't, right I don't give there. a damn I, about Ben Simmons. I just care about Joel Embiid. He's cool. Joel Embiid's the man. I he's my favorite Philly athlete right now. He's just he's the man. Now, Ben Simmons and Carson Wentz, uh, noted soft players per Eamon Smith here. Do you think they are too soft to play the Harry Potter type jelly bean game? Oh my god. It's wild that you brought this up because I have I've played Bean Boozled. I don't yes. even know how many times. And now this is something I hadn't played. And somebody brought Bean Boozled, uh, the jelly beans, uh, the Harry Potter jelly beans to the shore house that we were at. And we were up drunk one night playing Mario Kart. And we decided to make it loser has to eat one of the Bean Boozled jelly beans. And uh, let me run down the flavor options for you. They're not good, folks. They're not good. Stink bug and toasted marshmallow. Canned dog food and chocolate pudding. Rotten egg and buttered popcorn. Toothpaste and berry blue. Barf and peach. Dirty dishwater and birthday cake. Booger and juicy pear. Spoiled milk and coconut. Stinky socks and tutti frutti. And finally, 
dead fish and strawberry banana smoothie. Yeesh. So I I ended up losing twice and I I batted I batted 500 on this. I got spoiled milk one time and buttered popcorn the other and buttered popcorn was delicious. Spoiled milk it took a lot more drinking to get that flavor out of my mouth. Yeah, so we have down here in the show notes worst flavor and best of the worst. I can say sadly that I've eaten every single flavor on here. Um, just having played Bean Boozled enough times in like early middle school, there's there's some carbon dating for you there. Uh, but probably the worst ones for me are barf, spoiled milk, dead fish, and then like a tier below them is canned dog food. Rotten egg shockingly does not taste that bad. Um, neither does booger or stinky socks or dirty dishwater, which you would think all of those would be horrendous. It's just yeah. kind of like my, my rule of thumb is can I wash this out of my mouth pretty quickly and get rid of the taste and with spoiled milk that might be at the top of the worst just because it's, it, it sits, lingers. it sits. And like, like that stale breath taste is just the worst. And then like toothpaste is perfectly fine. Yeah, I actually had a friend who she kept losing and was very upset about it. I mean, it's better than say, I don't know, you're playing a, a college drinking game like uh like asshole or something like that. Who has to ride and the you bus? Keep losing. Steve. <laughs> and you keep losing and you keep getting drunker. At least this one is just you have to try terrible jelly beans. But she kept losing and kept getting terrible jelly beans, and she was like, oh, I really don't want toothpaste. And I said, Of all these options, of all toothpaste these options is the easiest. Toothpaste is the easiest, and she really apparently does not enjoy the taste of, taste of toothpaste. And I was just stunned by this. I'm like, toothpaste is just, it's toothpaste. What, I'm gonna be, what do you mean? I'm going to be straight with you. I used to eat toothpaste when I was, like, really little. Sure. Like, probably, like, four years old. But I still remember I used to eat toothpaste and, like, chapstick. Those were the two. It's minty paste. Like, it's just perfectly, but apparently she's not a mint person, so, yes. okay. I'll, All right. That sucks. Uh, but I would much rather have that than, I don't know, barf yeah jesus man i mean like really toothpaste is what you're complaining about here the, everything else on the menu here is worse except yeah. maybe stink bug because like stink bug is just it kind of smells in your mouth for like a second but you can wash that out with like a glass of anything oh okay good to know i was very much dreading the possibility of getting stink bug because stink bug smell lingers forever like, if you kill a stink bug in your house, it'll linger forever, and you just hate everything. I'm thankfully completely nose-blind to them. Wow. Living oh, in wow. the south, there are just too many of them in the summer. Like, you should see <laughs> my backyard. Uh, I think it was, like, probably a month ago-ish. Um, so, very beginning of August. There had to be, like, hundreds of them just flying around and smacking into the screened-in porch with some nice thudding noises and my dogs were trying to eat them. Um, oh. Just a great time. But yeah, I, I'm totally nose blind to stink bugs uh, as well as ammonia and other cleaning chemicals. Oh. Don't ask. Uh, okay. Very <laughs> weird, but hey, whatever. I mean, that's less weird to me than just hating the taste of toothpaste and dreading that over, I don't know, dirty dishwater, which I, I man, 
I just I feel so bad for the people that have to taste test these when they're getting produced to make yeah. sure that the patch is right. Like that just seems like a terrible job to me. I don't know. It depends on how well they pay me. Like I could I could choke it down. I could handle it. I mean, I've eaten some pretty gross stuff before, so <laughs> I I'm the type of kid where fun story. Um I was at a summer camp where you would get like 20 bucks a day for the camp store and like the the currency that they had there was devalued like it was like 20 camp dollars is actually uh three actual dollars or something like that but one shirt buck you would you would earn them by like doing good stuff while you were there and then also you could get them from other people well there was a kid where he knew that i really liked sour candy and he was like hey do, do you know what uh shockers were steve oh yeah so you remember those things you remember how if you ate enough of them like your cheeks would start to hurt and stuff and your taste buds are just yeah gone. they're yeah. just erased from the planet so he bet me all of his camp dollars for two days that i would not eat four things of them in a row <laughs> like four of like the big packs of it and i did oh, it god oh, and then sadist. and then like got pretty sick later that night but worth it i got 40 dollars out of it uh i mean that's a pretty good deal <laughs> to be honest i mean it's like six actual bucks right uh but hey when you're a kid six bucks is a lot of money six bucks is a lot of money six bucks is a lot of money to me now to be honest with you <laughs> yeah that's true up until that's two gallons know. of gas man <laughs> your first like post-college job like six bucks is a lot of money but yeah like i i am no stranger to just shoving garbage in my mouth even if it is destroying my stomach slash lighting my taste buds on fire i couldn't taste anything for a day and a half or two after that like it was terrible my mom made a really nice dinner when i got home and i just couldn't eat like any of it because my tongue hurt too badly this is fine yeah do you like it this is fine do you I remember I'm... what the dinner was? No. Uh, all right. No, no, I think I do. I think it was, uh, she makes this really nice, like, you you cut the skin open slightly on a chicken and then stuff, like, some herbs and butter underneath and butter, it. Yeah. And uh, roast it in the oven. Um, oh, yeah, usually... roasted chicken. Oh, you couldn't taste roasted I love a good roasted chicken. I love chicken. a good roasted chicken. I'll, I'll cook that occasionally here, even, um, if it's on sure. sale. But it was, like, that and potatoes with bacon. Um and i couldn't enjoy any of it and that's oh like one God, of my favorite meals all, it was that's crushing all of my favorite stuff right there it was crushing oh and she was so pissed at me too she was like you did what excuse me you dumbass <laughs> i mean this was this was prior to my parents being comfortable cursing in front of me uh, I, I had to have been like nine at this point but they were just I like you should have known better and i was just like a bet's a bet i'm taking the free money i i never had a period of time where my parents weren't uncomfortable cursing in front of me like i i remember i i was a little kid and i i remember we were in the car and some guy cut my dad off in traffic and i went get that jerk off because i <laughs> That's how much my dad would just curse in front of me. Like, I just thought that was just something you said. I didn't realize it was anything bad. A South Philly education, truly. Yeah, it's true. A South Philly education is right. Uh, oh, what a wonderful place to be. Hey, we almost got a tornado earlier, so that was fun. 
Hey, welcome to my life. Uh, we had a tornado warning in the middle of class the other day uh, where I had to book it to the basement of my building. That was not fun. Just imagine... It, so I actually did go to the basement for a few minutes. I was very skeptical for a while. I kept working and I worked right by a window and then eventually I was like, ah, oh, fine, I'll go in the basement. Gave in. Just because being in the city for most of my life, like the power almost never goes out when there's a storm. And I was like, tornado, okay. Just imagine a, a South Philly tornado just picking up like soft pretzels and all the like fat guys and in, in beaters and the fanatic just swirling around. Gritty, Gr- Gritty's probably riding the tornado. Gritty, Gritty is the tornado. Gritty is the tornado. Exactly, exactly right. Uh, hey, but uh, hey, totally hopefully true. everybody. Hopefully everybody was okay with that. It was uh, pretty devastating in certain parts. Big storm, so stay safe out there, folks. And uh, certainly listen to warnings and don't continue to work right by the window in your house and be a stubborn ass like me. Yeah, Steve, that's dumb. Don't do that, like, at all. Don't do not do that. I need I need a podcast to come on. <laughs> I, I, guess, I guess I could, like, figure it out with somebody else here. Be, I guess fine. you could. Never, never you mind. Wanna... You're fine. You're fine. You can sit right next to the window if you want to. <laughs> there you go. Go, go. Go. play in the rain with an umbrella. Sure. Uh, maybe. Maybe a nice piece of metal. Stand Listen, on top of the roof. Uh, if movies have taught me anything, it's that tornadoes will take me to wonderful, magical lands where I'll meet people of uh, that have various issues that need to be solved within an hour and a half or so. If you get struck by lightning, you get flash powers. So that's pretty cool. Oh, that's true. That's true. You should do that. It's uh, you should be the uh, guy from the clip where it's like, "Strike means out on Zeus. You don't have the balls," and then he immediately immediately gets struck by lightning. <laughs> I would end up like like Caddyshack, where he's just continues to play golf, having the game of his life in the torrential downpour, and then gets struck at the end of it. Yeah, I don't know. I'm so indifferent to rain at this point that like I don't like it, but it's whatever. It's it's so damn rainy down here in the winter that I'm just over it. I bought my pair of duck boots. I've got a rain jacket. I've got some jeans. That's all I really need. Sounds I'll, like you're I'll ready to a... move to the northwest. Uh, it, that's like the one thing keeping me from coming up there is the weather is so dreary. It sounds like, especially like given that Hinkle is excited about the fact that it's rainy all the time. And I'm just like you know getting seasonal depression when it's gray for more than one day in a row down here (laughs) i'm just like oh god i can't see the sun i'm going to die i live underground i will say the one time i was in the northwest the weather was fantastic like it was like we were there in the summer and it was high 70s most days or mid 70s and it was actually sunny a good amount i loved it but i feel like i could deal with some of the dreariness but uh, seasonal depression has affected me more as I've gotten older, so I'm not sure I want to tempt the the gods with that. But I do like nice temperate weather like that. Yeah, uh, it, it it fucking kicks my ass. Like at least for a week a year, where I'm just like a week of total days where it'll just be like in the middle of a week, and I'm just suddenly exhausted and don't want to do anything. Now, luckily, I've gotten very good at shaking that kind of stuff off, but. Uh, yeah, like, I don't know, seasonal depression is really hard, and I could not be somebody who lives anywhere where it is not sunny for, like, at least 60% of the year. 
Yeah, seasonal depression's awful. And I, it's one of those things I used to not really, you know, I kind of brushed off and then I got it really bad one year and I will never brush it off again. And I make sure I take daily walks in the winter just to get that sunlight. Gotta get outside, baby. Gotta get outside. Well, that's all we got for you folks. And, uh, I just wanted to, to mention one thing real quick. I didn't want to dwell on this too much, but wanted to express, uh, condolences to Kevin Hayes on the death of his brother, Jimmy. Jimmy Hayes died at 31 way too young. I mean, that's just shocking and terrible news for the whole hockey world. And you can just tell Kevin Hayes is just completely devastated by this. It was his brother. And I just feel so bad for, for Kevin and the whole Hayes family. So condolences. We are, we are with you. We are in your corner and uh, yeah, I, I don't even know what to say beyond that, but you know, um, hang in there. Yeah. It, it really crushed me um, as somebody who's lost a couple of people close to me recently through this pandemic. Um, and just to, there, there's a clip from TSN. I think yesterday I saw of, He's at his brother's funeral telling a story about him. It's it's like a pretty innocuous story um, by hockey player standards. Like there's a cancer patient. He comes in. uh, Jimmy Hayes like does a lot of really nice stuff for him. He stays with him. And then like Kevin in the middle of saying basically the dad of the kid when he passed away called Jimmy to tell him it was the best day of his life. Um, like broke oh. down and that that just reminded me a lot of like a slight personal note um at my grandmother's funeral like a while ago this is not recent but uh the way that one of my uncles broke um when that happened and that just gave me the same kind of vibe where it's like this is normally a person who's so like happy and rambunctious and doesn't really let much of anything get to him and he lost somebody who he really loved and was really close to him and that that hurt um so not even just like condolences to kevin hayes but i there's there's nothing that we can really say that's i guess enough or will ever be enough um he he lost his rock his dude so yeah it's it's just hard it's hard there's there's nothing you could say beyond condolences really and just you know it's uh it's just it's a shame and just uh would be remiss to to not mention that so that was just a some pretty terrible news that that came out uh i think it was last week that came out yeah not 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 a happy note to end the show on but an important note and i feel like uh, it's a good way to end because you know go go home you know, some nice conversations with the people you care about people like yep. hug your loved uh, ones, h- hug your loved ones is great advice for that. Yeah. Just cherish who you have, uh, make sure that you are, you're keeping in communication, keeping in touch and hug your loved ones. That's, that's all we can say on that matter. But, uh, again, condolences to Kevin, Hay- Kevin Hayes and the Hayes family. Uh, so that is all the show we have. And, uh, I know it hasn't gone three hours, but Hey, guess what? They're not all hour and a half to two hour marathons but just a hair under is just fine thank you so much for listening we truly appreciate it if you have any feedback for us the best place is on twitter.com.org.edu.ca you can reach Eamon at Jin and Yusi like UC Soros the Predator's goalie yes who got extended and I'm very happy about that oh, wow. 
Um, and I should have some more stuff coming out on BSH this week. Not a ton, but some stuff. And uh, I think, yeah, probably this week too, I will have a Substack thing coming out for the first time. So that'll be pretty neat too. Nice. What's that on? Um, I'm not going to really explain like anything about it yet because okay fair enough it's a very open-ended thing and uh it's the first story that i'm going to publish on that is a story that i've been working on for like probably two or three months now so it it should be pretty damn good all right looking forward to that so Jin and uc you can reach me at fly purpley or at estevan but if it's hockey make it fly purpley follow bsh radio follow broad street hockey and gang guess what while we're still within the dog days of hockey summer, you know, it's it's almost the fall in real life, but uh, it's still dog days of hockey summer. We're not going to have that much more. I mean, it's already development camp, training camps around the corner, and then it's going to be the season before you know it right here. So stick with us. Plenty of good tangy tent coming for you on Broad Street Hockey. We got BSH Radio. We got Fly Purpley and the other podcasts will roll back around once the season starts up. So plenty of content coming up. Follow BSH Radio, follow Broad Street Hockey, follow us on Facebook, uh, Instagram, TikTok, all that stuff. Plenty of social media out there. Thank you so much for listening. Stay safe. Be smart. Do, don't, don't give people shit. Don't give businesses shit in particular if they have certain mandates to get in, okay? Be respectful to people. We're all living in extraordinary times and we have to be nice to each other. So please be nice to your local businesses. These employees are not paid enough to deal with you giving them shit. Until next time, folks, in the words of the great Gene Hart, good night and good hockey. Wow. 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 Wow.